The enemy is here. He's here? Where is he? He'll be searching for the other two boxes. Hiding until he has all three. Until he's ready. We have to be ready. You, me, the others. Joining us now from their respective fortresses of solitude, it's uh, out here on the West Coast with us, it's Grant Brisby of TheAthletic.com, and uh, somewhere in Gotham City, it's uh, The Defector's David Roth. Gentlemen, how are you both? Uh, I'm doing very well, very well. I'm not doing as well as Grant, but I guess I'm doing okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is going to be a a little high wire act. We're flying by the seat of our pants here to mix a couple of circus metaphors Neither of you guys has seen the movie. Is that correct? Yeah, those were our conditions for appearing on the podcast. I was uh, not planning on watching the movie. And when you asked if I had plans to watch the movie, I I said no. And you said, good, keep it that way. (laughs) And it was tough. It was like, you know, a Christmas present on the tree. I wanted to shit. No, I had no urge to watch it. This is the easiest, easiest setup that you have ever had. Yeah, I found myself with an extra four hours and seven minutes this weekend, and it was really hard not to just dive in and and get after it. But I managed to find a way. I um I have kind of obsessively consumed like content about it because I find it so fascinating that uh, it exists in the form that it does, and that people got as excited about a cultural product that appears to have. Like not negative value, but like it's basically just like a solid C minus, like dominated a whole corner of the discourse for you know a year. But yeah, that's about as much interest as I've got in it. Well, let's. Yeah, let's Diane uh, Lane is in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's in it. She's Terrific. she's she's great. Um, she turns out not to be Diane Lane as it happens. Oh, interesting. So she's is Diane that- Lane is a, is a black man actually uh, a black Martian I should say. Re- huh. So, spoilers. Okay. So is that is that the case for the whole movie or is that just that one part where she gives the pep talk to Lois Lane? Well, yeah, you ass- one assumes. So it turns out, David, that Martian Manhunter is actually impersonating uh, uh, Clark Kent's mom. And uh, Martian Manhunter is a Martian, as the mm-hmm. name implies, played by a, a black actor. Not not for her whole life has she been this guy. Okay. All right. That that does... Because that would seem to complicate the uh, Superman canon, as I understood it, which yeah. I should also say is not very well. Right. Grant, as the father of two small children, when when was the last time that you were able to take in any kind of uh, filmed entertainment? Uh, recently, recently. Okay. The kids are at an age, it, it's an eight-year-old and 12-year-old now, so we're able to... You know, we watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming recently. Uh, they are into... Uh, uh, show on Netflix, uh, Kipo and the Wonder Beasts, or something of that nature. It's a very, very funny, and uh, it's a cartoon with heart. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't have the attention span for good movies, like movies mm-hmm. I've been wanting to watch. Like I was just talking with a friend today. I, I, I own on DVD eight Hitchcock movies I've never seen. Like I've seen a lot of Hitchcock movies, but somehow I, I got this box set, and like I don't have the attention span to watch like Rope or Frenzy. Like, so that my brain is very, very different than where it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Rope is something that's actually come up on this podcast before. I can't urge you enough to watch it. It's like a brisk, like 80 something. Yeah, I was going to say, like, those are the the short ones, the early ones. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, who knows? I mean, whatever. It's easy to be like, yeah, whenever you get 90 minutes and you feel like you're able to pay attention to something. I don't have kids and I, I, I get 90 of those minutes per week rarely contiguously and they're usually something i'm supposed to be working during that period so yeah. just pay attention to that well grant it's interesting that you brought up the uh the recent spider-man movie because we do like to get a baseline for our uh our panelists like each, each of you guys what is your level of tolerance for superhero movies in general and you know dc or marvel and what is your familiarity with God Emperor Snyder's oeuvre? Have you seen, you know, your 300s, your Dawn of the Deads, your Sucker Punches, things of that nature? Uh, I am like, I like the Marvel movies. I really do enjoy them. Uh, I, 
at one point I did check out, I haven't seen like Ant-Man Wasp, something like that, but the major ones I will see and I'll see them fairly quickly, you know, usually in the theaters and the before times, you know, I was at Black Panther within a week of its opening. Uh, I'm usually, you know, they're fun. They're great. And I'm one, and I'm an idiot. So like, I generally like everything. Like, you know, when Game of Thrones in, it's like, oh, that was fine. You know, like Dexter, the season just goes off the rails. It's like, yeah, okay, that entertained me. Like, I'm very, very easy to please. And so the Marvel movies are perfect. They're just chewing gum for the brain, and that's fine. I have not seen a single one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, which is not something that I'm, like, proud of at this point. Like, it's the sort of thing where, like, if I saw a couple of them, was like, oh, it's not for me. At this point, like, it feels snobbish to admit that, but I have not. Like, I saw the... um the Brian Singer X-Men's, um, which is like worse to talk about uh, for a number of reasons. And then, you know, in terms of the DC stuff, like, I mean, I saw the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Like, I liked them pretty well, I guess. I don't know. I mean, like with all Nolan stuff, I leave it feeling kind of like really impressed for like half an hour. And then like the moment you start thinking about it, like you just want to read a book or do something else. And, but Snyder is a guy that I've been fascinated with because uh, well, I really liked the Dawn of the Dead that he made, which I guess is like his first big feature. Like, I just think that it's terrific. Like, it's stupid and fast and has like some funny needle drops and good performances in it. Like, I really just think it's like, it's as promising a movie as you could make and then go on to have Zack Snyder's career. Like, it just seems like, <laughs> like part of the, like the issue of like auteur inflation in Hollywood is like that you make one movie like that. And then usually it's like, now you know you make some like clever indie thing and they're like we would love to get you on a jurassic park sequel kid and then you just (laughs) then you're doing that and it's like if you were ever funny like now your whole thing is like chris pratt running in place in front of a green screen that's your job now is directing that yeah and that's that's how chloe zhao goes from uh uh, nomadland nomadland to the fucking eternals it's gonna be so weird or taika waititi similar thing less less of a a stretch i guess because it's still sort of comedic but yeah, YTT's one, if I had to see a Marvel movie, it would be the Thors that he did. Just because, like, friends have recommended them. And they seem, I saw, like, a little bit of one on TNT. And, like, the CGI was not uh, doing it for me. It was not rattling my saber. But the, overall, it was, like, it was clear that it was a comedy. And it had comedic beats. And, like, and not in that kind of, like, weedony. uh it's a little early to be describing things as soy. Also, I'm a little old to be describing things <laughs> as soy, but like without the the soy tone, uh, that's an issue there. But yeah, like I've watched a lot of other Snyder stuff. Like I didn't really think, I think there's like probably a good hour in Watchmen, like, uh, but the movie is three hours long and uh, the stuff that's bad, like the bad hour of Watchmen is astonishingly bad. Like some of the funniest <laughs> shit that I've seen. Um, we all know the sex scene that I'm talking about and yeah. where it takes place and <clears throat> what song yeah. is playing during it and so on. Uh, so I'm still kind of like, I don't think he's a very good director, but I do kind of like have a grudging respect for uh, how singularly he is the bad director that he is. So the question that I, I have to ask, and I ask this of everyone, is that have either of you seen Sucker Punch? Oh, that's a good question. No, I'm not. Uh, it's another one that I read a little bit about and was kind of just like, well, it seems like they're really letting them uh, explore the studio space here. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> but, like, he was able this... to really stretch his legs. Yeah. Was uh, that the one where it was all horned up? Extremely it, horned up. It's yeah. It's a very horny movie. Okay, because I'm on I'm on his IMDb page, and I didn't, you know, I've seen Watchmen. I agree uh, with with David. You know, I liked some of it. Uh, I was very familiar with the the graphic novel, um, so I didn't hate it. But my favorite thing that he's done uh, was in 1992. It was the Soul Asylum Somebody to Shove video. And somebody to shove is a good song. That's a I good song. It's got a little, a little riff. Back, I remember back, the video hard. Yeah. Is that um is that and and the horse they rode in on that record, or is it a different one? 
Uh, I want to say that's Grave Dancers. I want to say oh, that oh, was like the almost heart. certainly. Uh, I think yeah. it is. I want to say it was the heart. It was the first single, and it was like I was like, oh man, I am. I I I saw Soul Asylum on that tour. The Jayhawks opened up, and I was like, yeah, this is Soul Asylum. They're hip. They're they're current. They're with it. And then like Runaway Train came out, and oh boy, that was a different time for them. But yeah, good good song, Zach Snyder. Yeah, it is the first track on uh, Grave Dancers Union. Yep. That's, I can't believe we got to the 90s chat so fast. It's really, it's kind of inspiring. <laughs> we all have our own superpowers. Is that yep. a good segue back? <laughs> yes. So, David, a lot of ink has been spilled about the movie. You've read a lot of it. What what compelled you to do that? I guess the the just the basic disjunction of every like well not everybody but so many people caring so much about this particular director's version of this particular like the the thread of of um whatever the what is it, even the the DC legacy thing with Wonder DC EU yeah that like nobody really seemed to think any of those movies were any good this one everybody agreed was much worse because and like the bits of it that I saw like you know I read the negative reviews of the the Whedon like sort of like completion of it and then when this came out and they were showing like little sort of like side-by-side clips from like the Snyder version versus the Whedon one. Like, I think actually there was some merit to it because the, the Whedon one looks like a fucking Hallmark movie. Like it's lit like an episode of the office. Like, and in this case, (laughs) there's like Snyder is over the top, but like, it's a movie. Like it's identifiably like shot and conceived of like a film. Whereas like the Whedon thing looks like, in the way that like, and again, as somebody who's seen a lot of Hallmark movies and kind of admires them, there's a sense sometimes when you're watching them that you're like, this whole thing was shot in one Radisson in like Vancouver. <laughs> and like, and they use different locations within the Radisson, but it's all within the same like large hotel. And there was some, like, I couldn't believe how bad the interiors, for instance, in the Whedon one looked. But like, so I guess like I'm, I'm happy that it worked out being more his vision and stuff, but it just seemed like two directors that I don't really care very much about uh, offending each other's visions. This is like, what a, what a bum fight this is. <laughs> it's just, it's, just, it's, it's uh, let me go back to nineties. It's uh, like third eye blind, you know, making fun of smash mouth or yeah. like covering a smash mouth song. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. That's all the, I got. The funniest version of that that I can think of from real life was do you remember the band Hinder? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They did uh, oh. Lips of an Angel. With the lips of an angel. They were like really like gnarly, like surly seeming, like just butt rock, like jockey guys. And I remember them trying to start a beef with the, the OK Go guys that would do like the silly <laughs> videos on treadmills and stuff. And just the idea of like that being what they conceived of as like their rival where they were like the fucking guys that wear glasses in their videos <laughs> the, come to the, oklahoma we will kick your fucking dick in man the lowest stakes battle yeah like, <laughs> right also like what does the winner get like, you know, like, a, a, a fan base that lasts lasts longer than 18 months maybe right, right? a booking agent or manager who isn't just actively trying to change his number all the time <laughs> yes. so he doesn't you... have to get calls from them <laughs> You win that battle, and friend, you're not playing at the county fair. You are yep. state fair material. State <laughs> fair material. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny with, I mean, I have no interest in Whedon, don't care what he does. Um, you know, Ian and I have talked about it. We think that the things in his version that play better are just like notes from the studio when they were like, wrap it up. There's no, yep. This is not going to be a franchise anymore. We need you to go in there and, and yep. put all these kittens in a bag and throw it in the lake. And he was just like, aye, aye. And, and That's like, funny too, because the shots I'm talking about, it's literally like someone turning on the lights at the end of a party or like on a bar is closing. Like that's the one thing that makes everybody run for the door. Like, yeah, it's, it's someone blowing a whistle be like, everyone out of the pool. Like yep. <laughs> we're putting the chlorine in it, whether you're still in there or not, like doesn't matter. Um, and then- you know, Snyder, because he had to s- step away slash, you know, they were kind of taking this away from him anyway. Um, they were like, listen, the movies you make neither make money nor 
are enjoyed by people. And <laughs> there's really not a third version of, of, uh, of measurement that we know of to help you out here. But so yeah, when he came back and did this, it, he's like gone out of his way in the press and seemingly in his choices to like, you know, kick dirt towards Whedon, right. To kind of like stamp, stamp some dirt in his direction at the choices he made, which I think make on the one hand makes sense. Cause as, as we've said, choices, Whedon's choices weren't good, but Snyder's choices weren't good either. They were just right. very different. <laughs> and it's, it's very funny too, that like, if you go to the trouble of hiring Zack Snyder and you decide, you know, halfway through, I mean, obviously like there's the family tragedy element of it. Like it wasn't fully a choice to pull him off of it, but like the, there's no bigger middle finger that you can give him than just being like, well, we're going to have like the guy that is works in the exact opposite uh, medium and tone as you come in and do it. Like we're going to like have the, the fucking firefly guy is going to finish your epic, uh, you know, sepia like battle fest. So, David, was there anything that you uncovered in your research into the online discourse about this that that you found compelling that you that you can share with us? Is it still so, fresh in your mind? I guess the thing that so I mean, a couple people that I worked with uh, saw it and wrote about it. Luis Pius Pumar saw it and wrote about it for us, and then Drew uh, wrote about it for uh, SF Gate. And in both of those instances it was like sort of like what you were talking about before we, we started recording that like, they're both like, it's definitely better. Like it's a movie, please, please do not watch it. <laughs> and so there was that like, that thing where they were, they were like able to sort of like assess it as like more identifiably like a movie shaped and, you know, like thing object than the initial one. But like, I found it like interesting that they could be like, yeah, it's way better. And yet still like, does not in any way like cross the barrier of being like something you ought to watch. So like, that's kind of intriguing to me, like as an idiot, as somebody that just like chugs sludgy garbage culture and like watches bad baseball on purpose all the time. Like, I'm not going to say it's not tempting. It's just going to have to like be on TV while I'm flipping the channels. Cause I'm never going to like go to the trouble of like starting it. Right. You know, but like, it's enough that I'll probably watch if I can see 15 or 20 minutes or an hour of it. Like I'll sure watch it. I think uh, I'm, I'm curious because I throughout this, I realized when I clicked on uh, Snyder's IMDb page that I've seen Batman versus Superman, Dawn of justice. And I literally have not one single memory of it. Like, yes. I mean, I, I could have yes. been, I could have been drunk. I could have like, honestly, like, I mean, odds are I was probably drinking, but I don't remember like hating it. I don't remember liking it. I remember just saying, this sure is a movie and those are, you know, those, they're okay. And I, I, not one single line of dialogue. I don't know who else is in it other than Batman and Superman. You have my undivided attention. Martha's in it. Martha. There are a couple of Martha's <laughs> in there. I heard that's another thing that I found funny with the idea of like that, that was Snyder's big innovation was like both their moms have the same name. I'm going to give you a minute to fucking process that. <laughs> <laughs> to, me, to me, that reminds me of nothing more than the throw mama from the train where Danny DeVito is explaining the conflict of his short story. Both guys were wearing the same hat and that's why they hated each other. That's why they were sworn enemies because they both had the same hat. This is the, this is just the, the other pole of that. It's they end up, you know, allying with each other because both of their moms were named Martha. Yeah, it makes as much sense. Of Martha boys. Wait, wait, wait. So explain that. Explain that. Whose moms were named Martha? And is this the movie that I've seen? Yes. This, yes. <laughs> well, and what's so funny is that it's the. It really makes your point. It's the movie you've seen. It's Batman versus Superman, and it is probably the most memorable part of the entire movie. Right. So Batman is trying to kill Superman. He's about to succeed, and then Superman says, "Save Martha," and Batman goes. Why did you say that name? <laughs> and he th his whole plan goes out the window because Superman has said the same name as his mom. <laughs> and earlier in the movie, there is like a Chekhov's Martha where Batman is at his mom's grave, shows you the name is Martha. But that literally, that's the turning point of the film. He would have just murdered, stabbed Superman with a, a kryptonite spear had he not said his mom's name, which also hilariously... If I was telling someone to save my mom as I'm being murdered, I would just be like, ah, save my mom. Like I yeah. wouldn't refer to her by her. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, 
ah, please help Diane. Like I would just be like, ah, don't kill me, but also help my mom. Ah, no. Like, but yeah, that is like the most memorable part of the film for a lot of people. It's become somewhat of a meme. You're seeing it like now with like the, the Kong and Godzilla thing. It's like yeah, both their yeah. names are Martha. Save um, Mothra. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> well, but no, but your point is uh, to me, right. We've talked about Ian and I have seen the parts of this movie like a zillion times. I will watch something hours before we talk about it. It'll be the fifth time I've seen it. And when it comes to one of the like three lines of dialogue, I'm stumbling all over it, which is 49% because I'm a huge idiot, but 51% because it's just absolute like yeah. gray astronaut food. The Zack Snyder difference. Was Superman maybe saying uh, uh, beat up Martin on his yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was saying it to his Newton. Yes, <laughs> alternate theory. He was he was telling Batman that he needed to winterize his house in Marfa, Texas. Like, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, the, but no, it's so funny that you don't remember that part. And, and okay, why why would you? Because like, yeah, the movie really it just kind of passes over and through you. But there's and for me, I think most importantly, there's nothing visual about that scene. And where Snyder excels is in some of the visual shots. I, I feel. And that scene in particular, there's it's just a close-up. Maybe it's not even a close-up. I can barely remember it. It's one buff mad guy yelling at another buff mad guy who have in the rain, presumably. Yeah, in, in the rain, both been like in the dark rain. <laughs> everyone's been airbrushed into oblivion. But yeah, you you saw that part, and I'm sorry that we're reminding you that you that you saw it. So I remember a line from the trailer of that one, I think. Is that because is does someone say at some point in Batman versus Superman. Does Batman say, do gods bleed? Does he say that? <laughs> I think he says, do you bleed? You will. All right. That's what it is. Yeah. Cause I remember it was something like the idea of like, it's as with a lot of the best Snyder stuff, it's things that would like absolutely put like a certain type of 14 year old, like flat on his back with like, just how fucking awesome and powerful it is. And, <laughs> yeah. but like, if you think about it more, you're like, I don't, it's like stupid. Why would it matter if God bled? He's a god. No, that's the. But, uh, I think that is right. Like those rare, the rare times that you're like, hell yeah, Zack Snyder. It's like the this is Sparta. It's these memeable little little slivers that come out of his movies that like the 14 year old boy, you know, incel kid gets super stoked on. That's that's kind of his brand. Yeah, it's, that was in the in this one. The bit that I remember from the trailer, like he managed to get one of those into the the little trailer thing with the fucking Jared Leto Joker showing up. And even that one too, where he's like the big reveal there where he's like, we live in a society where like we have more power at the touch of our fingertips than we ever dreamed of. Like this does the whole common commercial. Right now, you have more power at your fingertips than entire generations that came before you. It's like at the end, it was like grandly, it's like, isn't it Batman? And you're like, well, <laughs> we already know that he's Batman. Like you don't get to <laughs> like lavish over the uh like revealing that this character who by that point presumably you're two hours and 55 minutes into a four-hour movie like everyone no knows. more like four hours it's like the, it's the last couple minutes quite literally fantastic yeah but it's still like again it's like something that was epic to snyder and he was allowed to do it and i guess like you know you don't get to pick the auteurs you get you just got to deal with the things they think are cool and auteurs yeah Nat, do you want to uh hit david with the stone cold stunner about that line i was gonna say one thing and and then and then i will so now i'm just parading around the ring chugging chugging uh, budweiser's but um <laughs> the dialogue it's definitely like what a 14 year old imagines he would say if he got in a fight yeah. right as yes. he's like, hoping is like when you're just sitting at your desk being like i'm gonna uh, well, when i do get in a fight <laughs> this is what i say and then like <laughs> cut to you're 50 years old you've you know, thankfully for you have never fought anyone except maybe like a parking attendant. And hopefully maybe you still think it's cool for Zack Snyder's <laughs> sake. But yeah, so the we live in a society line, mm -hmm. which is, you know, the the meme doesn't actually appear in the movie. It was just in the trailer. Wow. So a huge, you know, kick in the dick. And what does he say in the movie? It's just like he has a different monologue. Oh, yes. that's... He just never utters that line. It was strictly for the trailer. He does call uh, one of the Atlanteans like two different fish names, which didn't register to me at all. Like he calls 
the Atlantean woman played by Amber Heard. He's like my little fish stick. And he's also doing like Jim carries the mask at one point. He goes from like, (laughs) he goes from like trying to do his own thing, which was goofy. He like slips into Oscar Romero for a second. And then he's just like (laughs) smoking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just so unhinged. Yeah. So they, that was the trailer for Zack Snyder's justice league is Jared Leto comes over and he says, we live in a society, Batman. And everyone's like, I oh, said we live in a society. Bah. And then as you're watching it, you're like you're three hours and 45 minutes in and you see his weird school shooter looking Joker. And he says all this stuff. And you're like, he, what? Oh, my. <laughs> like, it's su- it's such a letdown. It's such a bummer. That's depressing. I mean, that's especially you get that far in. You're just like, well, I'm just holding on for one reason, which is to to watch the man do the meme. I want to see, <laughs> see Catalano do the meme thing and he won't do it. I've seen Casablanca and the whole time I'm watching like, say, play it again, Sam. Say, yeah. play it again, Sam. Yeah. And they never say it. And that movie sucks. And that's why I hate it. <laughs> Maybe the most, uh, the, the strangest and and most puzzling part of the Jared Leto performance at the end of this one is that it's markedly better than the Suicide Squad Joker. Much like the the thing that we were talking about earlier, David, about how this movie is markedly better than the Joss Whedon interpretation of it. This Jared Leto Joker is better than what he did in Suicide Squad, like by leaps and bounds, but it's still terrible. Yeah, which is incredible. Just really lets you know how much <laughs> real estate there is out there. Yeah. You know? That the I guess it's a question too of like Leto when he is bad, which I don't think is always, but when he is, he is just the busiest boy in the whole world. And the idea of him like trying very consciously to like surpass what Heath Ledger did as the Joker or whatever, like the it's something very funny about like that's idea of him doing like every Joker that's ever been a Joker, just him like showing you the range. Like is uh, that's definitely how Lido would understand that assignment. Yeah, it, he gives you like the Neapolitan ice cream of <laughs> Joker's, right? And like, but yeah, in class, you're like, oh, he's someone... doing a suicide at the soda machine with everybody yeah. that's ever played <laughs> yeah, the Joker. Right. That's <laughs> actually where the name Suicide Squad came from, because <laughs> they all do that at the Seven yeah. Eleven. But what's funny too about you know them putting the best part in the trailer and not putting it in the movie is. It, it was similar to the buildup for Suicide Squad and Leto's Joker in general, right? I think maybe they knew that, you're like, okay, this actually comes off as kind of goofy. So they just kept talking about how twisted he was, right? Yeah. How he was the guy pointing in his temple. You know, he kept mailing everyone <laughs> Animorphs books or just, right, signing yeah. them up <laughs> yeah. for ed- edible arrangements that, that they didn't want or could never possibly fit. It's like, you're getting an all cantaloupe edible arrangement. Have you ever met a guy like me? <laughs> But, but that like that was supposed to inf- really inform how you enjoyed the movie. I mean, this is a movie where you're like you are fully warmed up by the media before you take it in. Like your mind has been made up like you are exactly kind of positioned where you need to be. And I that was definitely the case with Suicide Squad. And I think that's interesting about you know, using the, we live in a society line. Cause it's like, Oh, they're just doing it again. They're like putting you where you need to be and giving you all the prior information to take in this four hour movie. It's a big, it's a bold gambit for sure. I mean, four hours is like the, the other thing that I read about it that kind of fascinated me to go back to Ian's earlier question was that apparently it breaks a lot of like very basic rules of screenwriting. Like the idea of like when you're in a movie scene, the idea is like start in the middle of the conversation is like the thing that you're supposed to do. So it's not like a scene doesn't begin with like one person sitting at a desk, like booping around on their phone. And then another person walks in and is like, Hey, and the other person's like, Hey, and then they're like, Hey, do you have a minute? And it's like, yeah, I guess I'm just booping around on my phone, have a seat. Okay. I'll sit. And then like, that doesn't, you don't see that in the movie. Cause you don't need to see it. You can just see the person sitting down across from the other one and be like, Oh, he must've walked in and been like, Hey, do you have a minute? Can I sit and talk? And apparently like in this one, there's just like a ton of scenes where like, people walk into the screen like in, on, on screen together and are like, Hey, do you have a minute to talk about the exposition thing that we were going over earlier? And then they just do it. <laughs> just big Tommy Wiseau energy. It's oh hi, yeah, Mark. It's incredible. <clears throat> it's, it's very no, it's good. Four hour movies. 
how many four-hour movies do you know that you can just watch, like, plow through all in one sitting and you're happy to do it? Like, it's got, it's a short list. I don't know how long the right stuff is. It, it's mm-hmm. got to be close. Uh, that would be one of them. You know, like, I can watch right stuff all four hours. I can watch a snippet. It's like, it's it's bold to think that of all the four-hour movies about, like, really good topics and, and, you know, mind bending things that you're going to make one about, you know, big beefy boys hitting each other. Yep. And it's, it, it, I mean, does it come off like, I mean, why is it four hours? Why? I have no idea. There is literally no reason. It's just, <sighs> apparently Zack Snyder does this with all of his films. He like keeps dicking around with the final cuts long after he's delivered it to the studio. So this is just like a tick that he has. Like he probably has additional cuts of, he definitely has uh, other cuts of Watchmen. He may have them for like 300 and stuff like that, but this is just a thing that he does. The Snyder cut thing started even before the pandemic, because it might make sense if you're like, all right, look, we're, we're already $750 million into this franchise. We've already spent that on this movie. If we throw Zach another hundred million, do you think we might be able to finally like recoup if we spent if if we throw a hundred million of good money after the seven million seven hundred million bad that we've already spent? Could we possibly like make another two hundred million so we break even? But no, this started long before the pandemic. I think it, it you know if anything the pandemic has it's forced people to watch this dumb movie. Uh, so, so it's hard, it's hard to believe that anybody was clamoring for this, but you guys are very online. Did you see any of the Snyder cut community activism on Twitter or elsewhere? You tell me, Grant, I don't think I really did see very much. The only thing I can think of is that the, uh, baseball writer, John Bernhardt, like is kind of has a soft spot for the Snyder movie. So this is like the closest thing I know to like, like having a source in like the Zack Snyder fan community. Right. Like I've never bothered to DM him, but there's been times where he's like been like defending like Batman versus Superman is mostly it's just being like better than a lot of people think. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to just be like, well, how, how do you mean? Like, I don't want to see it. I just want you to tell me how right. uh, it's not actually bad. Well, John, I, John's an Orioles fan, right? So he's a, uh, Oh yeah. Masochist like, to begin with. His brain is all callous at this point. Like nothing can hurt him. But, but yeah, I don't think, I mean, I don't think I really have encountered it in earnest as like, as a, a group or like, I mean, I guess they manifest as like a swarm of, uh, aggrieved people. Yeah. And I, I, for as much as I live my life online and I am, am extremely online, it, it takes something like this to make make me realize how curated my bubble is. It's mm-hmm. a very, you know, I know if this politician said that and I'm going to hear it 17 times, I'm going to know if, if this Dingleberry said this thing about, oh, and now he's the main character of Twitter. Like I get those people, but when it comes to, to these really rabid fan bases and, and caring about Zack Snyder for some reason, just it does not appear on my timeline no one's retweeting it in i'm not seeking it out so i i missed a good part of it yeah those bubbles must be similarly curated to not to exclude people like you but they don't ever there's no venn diagram where those bubbles overlap yeah there's definitely also within like the the ball writer community which like i assume i follow too many people grant i don't know how many people you follow but we probably follow a lot of the same people just like mm-hmm. for work to like learn things about the baseball teams we write about yeah and like there's different you know sort of bubbles within that that there's like the springsteen ball writers and the jason isbell's like <laughs> you know and then like the guided by voices ones and like but they don't uh like none of that exactly like it, like naturally enfolds a group of people who are like hardcore dc extended universe fan fan you know types Right. Like, so, yeah, yeah, even that's about right. It, it, there's like baseball writer taxonomy, but I, it doesn't, you know, you might have opinions about uh, Marvel movies or something like that, but I've never seen anyone talk about Batman or Superman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's also so much of the, the ball writer discourse that you see. I mean, you don't see as much of it anymore. I remember there used to be a lot of stuff about like Gaylord hotel points. That was like a big conversation topic. So it's not like they're not talking about boring things. Like these are definitely oh, yeah. guys talking about like, airline miles and like you know (laughs) (laughs) like like what is like actually the best uh cheesecake factory like in america like which one is the most consistently solid in service and 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 um quality but like yeah never never has it been this 
just Grant, to get back to a previous point of yours, I cannot think of a four hour movie that I would uh, willingly sit through in a single sitting, but I was reminded uh, that Bellatar's Satan Tango is seven hours, 20 minutes, which I've seen. Okay. Just speaking of intermissions, did you treat yourself to on that one? Oh, several. I watched it like over the course of a week. Yeah. I can't, I can't like you, David, my attention span is just, I can barely do like a 21 minute arrested development episode in a sitting (laughs) these days. So like forget seven, seven twenty. I think like a big part of, of me seeing the Irishman, like the whole thing is because I knew going in, like I'm not finishing it. Like mm-hmm. I just I, like I, you set yourself up mentally. Like I'm just gonna watch two hours. I'm gonna fall asleep. I'm gonna drift off. Whatever. And like it, it inspired me to watch it. Like it didn't sneak up on me. I guess. Yeah. I'd seen uh, Godfather Two showed up on Showtime recently, and that is a very long movie. I don't think it's four hours, but it's it's three and change, and I think mm-hmm. a, a heavy chunk of change at that. And I watched a lot of it. I mean, it's a movie I like a lot. It's and it, I probably would have stayed up and finished it if it wasn't on quite as late as it was. And if I didn't have to, you know, notionally get up and work, but even there, it's the sort of thing where like you feel the length of a movie like that, even when it's like masterfully done or whatever, like at some point you're like, Oh, we're back in little Italy. Terrific. You know, and like, there's, <laughs> there's only so much of that, that like, even when it's good, which I, I like those scenes pretty well. I like, and I flipped to it while I, Bruno Kirby was speaking in Italian and I was like, fuck yeah. Like this is, this augurs well for my week. But yeah, like, I, I don't think that um willingly doing a four hour movie even once is like really in the cards for me until I get my, some stuff sorted out in my head. I just looked it up. Godfather two three twenty two, which is it does not feel like that. Yeah, it, that's a it's a brisk three twenty two. Like it goes by. Yeah, it, it's moving. Happen. Stuff is happening. People are not some new shitty scummy senator guy. Like it's always exciting. Yeah, there is not long drawn out uh, CGI battles in the in the dark right. rain. There's no gray <laughs> rain in it. Yeah. Yeah. Just CGI cannolis falling down all over the place. <laughs> something that i'm curious about from because you all having seen it like every bit that i've seen like every clip or every still that i've seen from this one is processed within an inch of its life it looks like something from a video game it's crazy yeah does it all look like that like is there like any like natural light in it no No, not not a bit (laughs) not a bit so (laughs) until until the joker shows up at the very end even the exterior day shots are completely desaturated and dark. It's always raining during the day. Um, And then during the epilogue, uh, the Joker shows up under this blasted hellscape. That's like, uh, it looks like uh, the most recent Mad Max movie. Just sort of blown out, not sepia, but like more yellow sand color. And at that point, you're just like so happy for a tonal change. You're like, oh, great. Jared Leto's here now <laughs> to save us all. Because I saw uh, a clip when they first released, like, here's what the, the, the video or the movie's coming out in uh, a couple days. And here's like a clip. And it had, had Cyborg. I know it had Cyborg in it. So it's this clip that was circulating on the Internet. And I literally, I, the first 30 seconds I was watching it, I thought it was satire. And like, I'm not saying it to be clever. Like, I was like waiting for the twist or the like, all right, so some, someone made this and like, you know, all of a sudden the cyber whole thing. Too. And then the Tim and Eric, great job. Cursing yeah. shows up on the lower third on the right. <laughs> it, I was waiting for it. And then I was like, Oh shit. I think, I think this is actually it. And so that's as close as I've come to wanting to watch it. Cause it's like, is that really like, yeah. they spent a billion dollars on this thing. Yep. It's the cyborg effects are so bad. I think, I think both of you guys are too young for this, but when I was a kid, they came out with these Micronauts figures and then later like spun off a Marvel comic book from it, but they were like sort of metal and sort of see-through and they look sort of retro futuristic and he looks like that, but it's, he's just like shitty Iron Man. He's like shitty Iron Man <laughs> with more computer hacking abilities. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's terrible. There's no he's, redeeming qualities. He's Iron Man, but he's always connected to the web. 
Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean the Sandra Bullock movie. He's constantly <laughs> watching that in his, in his head. I'm really trying to rack my brain to think of shots that aren't dark and dreary. And it may be the end. Like the last, and also the last frame of this movie, which is maybe one of the better looking frames, is also hilarious because it just ends with Batman talking to Martian Manhunter and going like, "Oh, see you later." <laughs> and then he just like goes back to bed. It's like the most anticlimactic. It's not even a cliffhanger. It's not even like, "Oh God, I, I can't wait to watch the next five hours," you know, installment. It's literally Batman talking to Martian Manhunter and then going like, "Well." See you around. Um, yeah, Poochie like, Pucci died on the way back to his home planet. Yeah. <laughs> Which again is like Snyder not following the rules of making a movie. Like you get ended at a more dramatic place. You don't have to like let the conversation peter out. And then one of the guys is like, I got to, um, I got to go uh, to the bathroom. Yeah. He's like, I, my, <laughs> I've left my French press on for like six minutes. This coffee's going to taste yep. like shit. I, <laughs> I have, I'm really sorry. But like, yeah, Batman lives on a lake and it, I think there's some green or maybe my brain just inserted some green in there, but like it, or it, you're just seeing Martian Manhunter who's green. Um, but like it, it looks okay. And I'm really struggling for another one. Cause even the other scenes that are happening outside, like the, the it's raining hot dog scene or when Superman comes back and he's, he's angry and horny. Um, those are just what? like it in in the cities. Um, Tell me more about it's when just Superman always gray. So up Batman, man. There's so much. There's so much backstory. I feel like we're gonna have to explain what the mother box is. I, I bet I, you know what. Here's here's you don't the thing. Have to do that, Ian. I bet we we don't have to. This is the best part. We can just say Superman was dead and they bring him back to life. Okay, fair Which enough. I think yeah. I knew. But I didn't realize that the first thing that would happen. So he came, he comes back to life and he's like, damn, Superman's trying to smash. Like it's the first thing, <laughs> his I first mean, order of business is to. So I'm, I'm taking some liberties here. So he comes, they bring him back to life and he, like, he doesn't remember who he is or whatever, which again, all of this is being filled in for you by the Justice League themselves. Like he's just kind of looking around and they're saying stuff like, he's scanning us like we're enemies and he doesn't remember who he is. Like it's being someone is pinching your nose and spitting the plot into your mouth. Right. <laughs> and then cyborg has a built in. He has a missile defense system. He has, you know, uh, the star Wars missile defense system, like built into him. I think it's iron dome. Actually. It's the Israeli <laughs> one. <laughs> and, and a huge gun pops up or he's like hand turns into a gun against his will. Oh, yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, it's my defense system. I can't control it. And so once Superman sees danger, he just starts attacking all of them, starts shooting them with, you know, his eye lasers and stuff. And he stops once Lois Lane, Lois Lane appears he recognizes Lois Lane and then like he hugs her and she's like, let's, you know, let's go home. And he's just like, all right, I don't need to murder these people after all. Whoop, 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 and they just take <laughs> off. So I, again, I'm feeling in a blank that it's like, she's like, you know, you've been dead for a long time. Wink, wink. Yeah. Um, and they take off. But yeah, that's, that's what happens when he comes back. All right. That makes more sense than like Snyder actually trying to have a character express a universal human emotion in one of his movies. Oh like, yeah. Just like, like he cannot do more than like implying uh horniness. Cause like, then it would just be get confused. Or, or if anything, it would be like Jason Momoa being like, he looks really horny. Like, it would, <laughs> <laughs> like he, it would have to be that right. One of the, like the cops are like, Oh no, we, when he gets this horny, we, our bullets won't hurt him. Ah, like it's, it's so goofy. Imagine it, Jason Momoa looking at you and being like, damn, this guy looks horny as hell. <laughs> no, it, I assume is, Jason Momoa just walks around like that all the time because who yeah. wouldn't be horny if it's Jason like, Momoa was around? See my man uh, horny because he knows. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> and if anything, it would be like Jason Momoa who's drinking like most of the time he's not underwater. He's like just pulling down from a flask or something. So would I, that scene would actually rule. Like Superman comes back He's super pissed. Jason Momoa is just like chugging on some Crown Royal, still in <laughs> still in the purple bag, and he's just like, "Dude's horny as fuck. Let's let's take him out." 
or it would be like that scene in Arrested Development, right? Where George Bluth says to uh, says to Michael, he's like, Daddy Horny Michael. Like, <laughs> Daddy Horny Michael. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to the final segment, are there any final thoughts, uh, Grant or David, that either of you had that you have not yet expressed? Uh, real quick, I, I watched Super Friends in Justice League uh, growing up. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a base, a little bit of base of DC. So I'm going to ask, uh, so Cyborg's in it. Uh, mm. Do we have Hawkman? There's sadly no Hawkman. It sucks. No. No Hawkman. Uh, samurai. Is there Samurai? Uh, no Samurai uh, that Apache I'm aware of. Chief? I think I would have heard about that one. Yep. They, yeah. All right. Firestorm? Not, no. Just okay. the Earth, the Earth Crisis just curious, song just is uh, for my own edification. <laughs> yes. Is there is there an operatic version of Earth Crisis's Firestorm yes. uh, that plays during a scene, presumably where a city is destroyed? I don't know. Yeah, it seems like only. a good time to do it. No, none of that stuff happens. Although Zack Snyder does love tucking in those little Easter eggs, like uh, turning Superman's mom into Martian Manhunter, who then like he and Nat, didn't you say that the um, the single mom character is also somebody from the D- like deep DCEU lore. Yeah, so I've been reading a bunch of the articles on this, which to my mind are all just payola. Like they, they have to be. Um, one of them was like, and this I couldn't tell if it was like a joke or not, but it was like top 10 quotes from Aquaman. And the first one was just, yeah. <laughs> it was just open <laughs> quotes, yeah, end quotes. And I was like, this... This is absolutely like a joke. Like this is it, this is making fun of the movie, right? Um, uh, by the way, it was Usher who said that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was this. There's a scene where Cyborg um, gives a woman a hundred thousand dollars in her bank account due to his Sandra Bullock abilities, and they talk about in this article how like, that's that's Zach doing what Zach does. The name of the the name of that person isn't an accident. Like Linda. Martin <laughs> was actually the sister of so-and-so who was in a comic book in the fifties. And I'm like, what of all the other Easter eggs they could drop, he could do one that someone knew about like that. Anyone else can remember. That's so, where you really miss the cinematic experience of seeing that in a packed theater. And only one person gets it and stands up and starts like hooting. And everyone's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> are you doing that? Someone, someone who's 95 years old. Yeah. Like, Oh, because that was from, there was the very racist ones from when I was a boy. Oh, <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, David, any, any closing thoughts on this masterpiece that you have not seen? I, um, so the one thing that, uh, that Drew said that was positive about it was that he really liked uh, Ray Fisher's performance, I guess, as Cyborg. And mm-hmm. I felt, so I haven't seen it and I haven't seen anything that Fisher's done because he hasn't done any movies other than this. Like he basically right. like was trapped in this weird hell where the studio was like, I read something where they were like, a studio head was like leaning on him and they were like, we, it's really important. We think to the international box office that you rap in the movie and you got to say booyah a couple times yep, and get yep. it. And it was all just like really. Oh like, my God. Absolute <laughs> like bargain basement, like clue, like not even like malicious racism, like a kind that could only exist if it were like kept in like a climate control, like an orchid. Like it's that like just ancient <laughs> shitty, like thoughtless racism. And it just seemed like that guy's had such an incredibly bad uh go of it that like drew said that he's actually good and we'll get to be in other movies and i'm i'm happy for him i guess but like did he is he good is anyone good in the movie i don't know is usually fun to watch momoa fun affleck like nat and i i think both would agree on this we're digging like this mid-period affleck he's Mm -hmm. having sort of like a midlife crisis that's unfolding in an interesting way uh ezra miller the kid who plays the flash is good oh yeah he's usually good in movies. he's 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 like one of the only sort of light moments in the entire movies you always appreciate when he's yeah, he screen. was hilarious and we have to talk about kevin mm. Mm. not really no that no. was not that was a very <laughs> a very fucking grim movie <laughs> I, was that him in that that was him in that yeah oh my god okay part. yeah <laughs> he was the he was the uh the school shooter yeah yeah uh, so not really like one of the even one of the funnier visions of that no uh, <laughs> um but the ray fisher guy 
probably has the heaviest lift of the movie because he is saddled with all of the worst lines. Like he is a petulant crybaby college quarterback wins the championship. He's celebrating rip rips off his helmet, celebrating, looks up into the stand, sees his mom. Everybody's jubilant. He's surrounded by his, his teammates. They're all celebrating. Then he looks to his mom's right and sees the empty chair where his dad should have been if his dad cared about him. And he like just starts pouting. And then he's like, he's crying on the car ride home. He's like a college football player. who's like throwing a shit fit because his dad missed his game. So like that's the, and and continues operating on that level. He's sort of like an anti-hero. He, he is to me, he dramatizes the spirit of the movie more than any other single character because Zach is this like weird Randian uh, objectivist freak who thinks that every man should be his island and, um, you know, uh, doing anything nice for anybody else is a sign of weakness. So it's, it's a, it's a heavy lift. I'm not going to say it was a bad performance, but I certainly didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I will be, I, I have to admit when I went on the Zack Snyder IMDb page, I was surprised to see the Fountainhead as his next project. Shocking, um, right? Okay. How, how yeah, could the guy, I, I don't, I mean, I, I really don't know much about him, but like, uh, to me, if you're going to make a Rand movie, like you're going to get like Kirk Cameron, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, yeah. who's going to be in a movie like that. Uh, all of a sudden this guy's going from this big, you know, billion dollar project to, to that. Okay. Well, that's, that is interesting. I was, I found that really uh, gratifying with the, um, I'm forgetting the, the, who is John Galt, whatever that project was. The, what's the other big Rand? Atlas movie? Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. yeah. The, um, it's the other one. It's a uh, Mason and Dixon. <laughs> so the Atlas Thomas Pinchoff something. They did it as a, as a three-parter and it was like every version of it just was like 75% cheaper. Yes. Than the previous were... one. Like that was, so you start out with like actual movie actors and then in the end it's like, whatever, like the Kirk Cameron subway sandwich birthday photo. That's just like the production value of the whole film. I think I made it halfway through the first one. I was, I I couldn't eat. I failed at hate watching it because it was just, it was like in a way, it it was just like too sad to watch. That's the one where they just like the actors are replaced as they go. Right. And it's not like, oh, this is 30 years later. It's just like, nope, same person. This is a, a, this is tomorrow. It's not like Todd Haynes thing. Like there's no point being made. It's not no. like a managerial decision. No, it's no, like, yeah. It's just like this guy would do it for scale, so we got. Yeah, yeah. We can't. And he was available. Chad Michael Murray anymore. We need to get realistic about what we're trying to do here. You know who's in those movies? Is John Polito. That makes sense. remind me who that is. Uh, uh Miller's Crossing. Uh, Big Lebowski. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like one of my Johnny favorites, Casper. the high hat. Uh, yeah, a hot dog with mustard. Hot dog. <laughs> um, so, like, one of my absolute favorites. It makes me yeah. want to watch the movie. Guys, we need to have a palate cleanser here. We've been talking about the worst movie of the year for the last hour. So I would love to pick your brains and get a, a, a cultural product uh, in any medium that you would recommend to people. Unlike this movie, uh, is one of you willing to go first? Uh, Grant, you, you can talk about the the uh, cartoon that you like with your kids while I figure something out that I like. <laughs> uh, yes, I will uh, research it. It seems very good. Uh, I will put it. Kippo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. It's delightful. It's a romp. Uh, it's very forward thinking on Netflix. Uh, I I don't consume much of anything. My it's it you know it's been a year. It has been a year. Um, my brain is is breaking in in all the wrong ways. I'm reading uh, currently Valdez is coming by Elmore Leonard, which uh, I've never read any of his westerns. Uh, Elmore Leonard is is great, and uh, this is my first of his westerns, and it's kicking ass so far. So Valdez awesome. is coming. Love it. Yeah. Having an Elmore Leonard uh, book to read is a good idea. That is like a solid. I have some that I haven't read too because I, the Goodwill reopened some time ago. So I got a 52 pickup, which I remember seeing a few minutes of as a movie as an extremely sleazy movie when I was a kid. Uh, but like, I 
I don't know. Reading books like that makes me feel, uh, even though I think there's that Demi Mon's pretty gross in that one. Like, I would like to read something fun. I haven't done as much of that of late. I've been reading sports books for this like reading series thing that I do with Patrick Sauer, and that's fun. But it's like I don't have time to like read an entire one of those plus something else in the time between those different things. And like so much of what I've been reading online has been just you know blog posts just like grim shit that makes me upset we've seen some some films i thought were decently good uh like i guess i could recommend godfather 2 to people um yes. if you haven't seen it <laughs> yeah. and you like long movies and you're listening to this podcast because you want to find out about other movies that are long uh but <laughs> that's our target demo yeah. people that just like long movies <laughs> you know what we what we watched early in the quarantine was the Amazon series zero zero zero, which is from the people that did uh, the uh, Gamora, the movie, and then the series. And it's sort of like a sprawling, you know, it's a little, uh, there's a lot of incident in it, but it's got a really good Mogwai soundtrack and it has some really like striking scenes in it. Like a lot of the, the Amazon series to me, like at least like look good of all the streaming, you know, companies that do this stuff. Like this looks expensive and has some interesting stuff in it. It's just like, I, you know, we watched that 10 months ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that I saw something in between that I liked and it's just not uh, coming to mind right now. You are the second person in the last week to recommend 000. Really? To me, yeah. And the other person also referenced the Mogwai soundtrack. I am going to effort that immediately. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you can listen to the soundtrack and then when you watch the uh, the series, you'll be so excited when you hear all your favorite songs used as cues. <laughs> I'm going to go with a uh, Welsh or English thriller that came out, I think, technically in 2019. Uh, It was called St. Maud, written and directed by a woman named Rose Glass. And I believe this is her first feature. It is about a woman who is a home health nurse in England or Wales. And uh, it was also a very devout Christian. She goes on a spiritual journey. And there's elements of The Exorcist, very intense religiosity with some not not heavy splatter vibes, but like some, some horror stuff going on. Can't recommend it enough. It's a, a, a quick 84 minutes. Looks oh. great. Sounds great. Is great. St. Maud by Rose Glass. Track it down. Cool. Nat, you got anything or are you? I, I actually do. I, I think this is the, the first time um, much like you guys, uh, Grant and David, I don't know if you've been doing this, but I've just been like returning to my safety blanket media, right? right? It's like, I'm watching Simpsons seasons two through nine. I just watch law and order, not SVU original, just like on television with commercial breaks and everything. Um, So I got two things. One is a book uh, called the phalanx phalanx of Houston, uh, actually written by a friend of mine. And I bought Mm -hmm. out of, you know, just like supporting a buddy. It cracked it open the other day. And it's, it's really good. So check that out. Um, you can get it wherever books are got. Uh, it's by Walter Moore, who's the author. And it's uh, a co- so far, it's a pretty fast read. And I'm really digging it. And then the album uh, Entertainment Death by Spirit of the Beehive, which came to me through a few reliable sources. And I've, been, I've listened to it on headphones a couple times. I'm not sure where any of the songs begin or end. <laughs> and you can either take that as something that's like a real positive, or maybe that sounds like a negative, but I've, uh, I've been enjoying it on, on walks. So yeah. I have that album uh, coming to me in the mail. Uh, oh, I listened oh, yeah. to it once and I was like, I, I like this so much. I'm just going to get the vinyl. Cause I need, I need this to be like writing music. Cause it, it has, I don't know. I, I like the vibes of it a lot. That's awesome. Great Man, music. new music. What a cool thing that is to think about. Kind of maybe, maybe I would feel better if I were seeking it out at all. <laughs> or if you anyway, had friends that's something, for, that's something for me to take uh from this right or, or if you had friends that could recommend good music i don't I, well i don't, I don't know, know anybody, anybody like that. that what i'm all my friends that are in bands all my friends that are in bands that i like i'll just ask them okay uh, all right uh i know we need to let you guys go where can people find each each of you david um what are you doing now that you no longer get to write about our big wet boy i'm uh trying to find my way it's hard it's been tough he was my lodestar he was my rock <laughs> uh it's my soft pink rock the uh 
<laughs> it's honestly been a little weird. I mean, like, cause I, I, I'm very eager to like get to the point where I'm just writing about baseball or like writing about the NBA playoffs or whatever, like things that I actually like, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of, of dumb shit happening. So like, I'm continuing to find my uh, weird bliss of writing about things that I don't care for, uh, but through the guise of writing about sports. So I got to write about like, you know, the broader sort of hostage situation with anti-vax people or whatever that like, I got to write about that in the context of players on my favorite baseball team, refusing to say whether they got the injection or not. So uh, I'm still able to do it. I'm doing most of that writing is at defector now. And uh, it's whatever it's gratifying. It's like the only time I really feel remotely in control of anything in my life is when I'm writing that stuff. So that part of it is nice and I'm whatever. And I'm two and a half weeks away from my second shot. So then that'll, that'll get better. We'll see how that goes. Yes. And where are you uh, on Twitter, David, for people oh, to yeah, follow? At David underscore J underscore Roth. Sorry about the underscores. Not as sorry as I am. What yeah. about you, Grant? <laughs> uh, I am at theathletic.com. Uh, I write about the Giants. Uh, I have podcast, a podcast about the Giants. I have a new podcast uh, that's more general baseball with Hunter Pence. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, so yeah, theathletic.com. I read boner pill ads, like uh, manscaped ads, like you know, yeah. talking about shaving doing, your pubes and stuff. Doing ads for podcasts is tight. I've had to do a couple. I've never had to do the like, fellas, you know what it's like to have a clean sack, right? Like, but, <laughs> but that's what but, the copy's like. Yeah, I know. Like I've had to do a couple of them. Uh, I did do like uh, some Mack Weldon underpants ones. Like I guess I'm just easily scandalized <laughs> with stuff like that. Like they're a good product and everything, but there's definitely a part of it where I'm just like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> like and I just have to pull back on it. That's cool that you're doing uh, Manscaped ones. That's great. Yeah, it's like I'm reading. It's like, fellas, is your sack a little fuzzy? You know, and like <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I went to San Jose State. For you know, and I'm doing this. I went to San Jose State. <laughs> My God, amazing! Well, it's incredible that that's the reward. Like Grant, universally recognized as one of the best and most distinctive people writing about this extremely popular sport. And when you've succeeded, what that means is that you get some copy that you have to read verbatim about someone's balls and ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how you made it. It's how you made it. It's it's lonely at the top, as, as they say. <laughs> Where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Grant Brisby. Awesome. Didn't you used to no have a different thing? No, uh, it used to be at McCovey Crom, but now it's just at Grant Brisby. No underscores because I'm not a chump. Oh, really? Maybe you just have an unpopular name. Maybe that's what mm, they should yeah. <laughs> It is... Uh, I don't realize how goofy and dippy a name it is until someone points it out. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's kind of a weird, goofy, dippy name. Oh, it's a good name. It's just like, it'd be different. If you were born and your name was like Garrett Sharon and you were like, oh, I have to, <laughs> how do I distinguish myself from the more better known person with that name? Problem that I have. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett Sharon. <laughs> I didn't even see where you were going with that I, at first, Ross. Samuel Hagar incredible. seemed too obvious, I guess. But the Garrett I, uh, it's Gary, damn it. Come on, where's, where's our extreme heads? <laughs> well, it'd be, you, know, you see, you're, you're, you're workshopping my bit for me now. Hell yeah. <laughs> if you guys ever do a podcast about pornography, uh, I, I could riff on that for a while. Some Nuno Betancourt action. Three sides to every story. I mean, man, yeah. Hell yeah. I talk to all right, gentlemen, thank you so much. This is a blast. Uh, I mean, to the degree that this was going to succeed, this has ex- exceeded all of my expectations. So I'm super this, hyped. This really proves you don't need to see this movie. No, nope. to have Nobody an opinion does. on it. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Have an opinion on it. Talk on it. Tweet on it. Come on our show. Just don't watch it.